We said to Sam, can she hear us? Sam said, not yet, but she will in time. Will she be okay? Sam said, she's amongst friends. Carter hurried past the church and down the main street, aware that she needed to get back to her colleagues and the children she'd left in the auditorium. She didn't notice that there was now no smoke rising from the row of miners' cottages and the smooth road had been turned back into a cobbled street. Her mind was racing as she tapped away at her phone. Tap, tap, tap. Tap. She was desperately trying to get through to the school, but her mobile was just full of static. She was about to try redial one more time when the phone slipped through her fingers and clattered onto the ground. She picked it up and saw the screen was smashed. She was angry. What's the point of having a so-called smartphone and the screen just cracks like that? Surely they can make a screen that doesn't break. By the time she got back to the hall, the film was finished and the teachers and children were milling around the auditorium. Miss Carter sat next to her friend, Miss Ross, and set her bag down on the table. I left him at the mine with that tour guide, she said, and shook her head. I've tried phoning the school, but I've got no signal, and now my stupid screen's cracked. We should phone the coach company and see if they can pick us up early. I'm thinking we get everyone back to school, then find out what we can about this Billy. He seemed very confused. Have you got a signal? Miss Ross looked at her with a rather vacant expression. Signal, she said. How do you mean? Miss Carter started taking the contents of the bag out and plonking them on the table. Miss Ross, intrigued by each item, moved closer to have a better look. Miss Carter took the lid off the little tin of Vaseline, made a circle with her forefinger, then ran it round her lips. She clicked the lid back on and placed it on the table, tapping the lid with a fingernail as she sifted through her thoughts. Tap, 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 tap. She rooted around in the bottom of her bag and eventually found her phone. Her friend, Miss Ross, picked up the tube of lipstick she placed on the table and slowly turned it round in her fingers. She held it up so it caught the light, then placed it carefully back on the table before opening a round tin of makeup. A small dust cloud billowed up into the air. Miss Ross tilted the case lid so the mirror cast a beam of light through the dust, making it sparkle and dance. The light seemed to emit a note, an electrical signal. She waved her hand through the cloud of dust, making an S shape, and gathered it all up like cobwebs. She rubbed her hands together and all the powder disappeared. She checked both her hands for any residue. Miss Carter stopped and watched her and said, What are you doing? You can't let particles like that escape, not when we've spent so long cleaning this place up, Miss Ross said. It would completely mess up the filtration. Where did you get all this stuff anyway? The fabrication is so authentic. Wow, she said and held out her hand. Let me see that mobile phone. Miss Carter passed her the phone, put her makeup back in her bag and sat back. I wonder if there's a phone here we could use, she said. I'll find security. They must have security here, right? She looked round the room. I think we need to check this Billy out. He just wasn't right. He was saying such weird things. I think he actually thought he was a Victorian. I mean, really? 
Maybe he's got mental health problems. We're not trained for this kind of thing. Are you sure he's with us? I mean, does he even go to our school? I haven't seen him before. Have you? He might just be some random child. Miss Ross was still examining the mobile phone. She tapped the screen. Tap, tap, tap. And ran her fingers over the cracks till they disappeared. There you go, she said, handing the phone back. It's all right now. Miss Carter's jaw dropped open. How did you do that? Oh, it's just a silicon filler, but it should be okay. Miss Carter took the phone back and ran her fingers over the smooth screen. Tap, tap. That's amazing, she said. But how did you do that? Hang on. She looked round the room again. She saw teachers and children sat around quietly chatting in small groups. They weren't dressed up as Victorians anymore. Screens and lights bobbed and floated in midair. A tiny galaxy of lights spiralled round the centre of the room. A collection of lights span off from the arm of the spiral and came towards her, changing colour as they moved. One light began to orbit just above her head. It was dazzling. She lifted her hand to shield her eyes. It made her feel like she wanted to reach out and touch it. It made her feel like an excited and curious child on a Christmas morning. She was remembering herself as a child on a winter's evening round a bonfire, flames crackling and dancing up into the dark sky, stars so bright and shiny she felt like she could just reach out and touch them. What is this? she said, without taking her eyes off the spinning light. Miss Ross glanced up. Are you okay, Elle? she said, and then leant across and squeezed Miss Carter's arm. She moved closer and felt round the collar of her jacket. Miss Carter pushed her away. What are you doing? Miss Ross sat back and tapped the collar of her own jacket. It radiated a pulse of purple and green light, lifting out of her collar and circling round her head. She slipped the jacket off and held it out to Miss Carter. Pass me a jacket and I'll see what's wrong with it. Try mine on. It's working okay. Miss Carter took her jacket off and tried on the other jacket. Miss Ross's jacket felt cool like silk but more like running water, a babbling brook, a mountain stream splashing and tumbling over smooth black pebbles. The jacket sleeve seemed to roll down her arm by itself. It flowed over her arm and down her back, then seemed to hover around her body, fizzing with energy as if it were alive. Miss Ross examined Miss Carter's jacket, then held it up to the shining lights. That's odd, she said. The lights made a series of bleeps. Your jacket's got no data. It's not connected. It's just a jacket. Miss Carter wasn't sure she liked having this thing on her. She tried to think about contacting the school, contacting the police. She picked up her phone, started tapping away at the screen. Tap, 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 tap. She couldn't connect to the school. The phone crackled and hissed with static. The jacket hummed with a low rumble, a growing growl of warning and alarm. Her head began to sizzle like an egg dropped into a frying pan. She heard a cacophony of electric static building in her ears. Sparks were flying and flashing in front of her eyes. Every thought, every impression and impulse became an immersive movie, huge and terrifying. We called out to her to reassure her, but our voices were lost in the swirling gyre. She was lost in the thousands of stars hurtling at high speed in the vast black night. 
Her friend, Miss Ross, steadied her. Elle, are you okay? Miss Carter, Elle, spoke from a long distance away. What's happening to me? She was lowered onto a couch. Hands were laid on her. Sound and vibrations moved through her, trying to stabilise her. They brought in the decompression unit and placed sandbags at her feet and head. They placed quartz crystals on her stomach, granite on her chest, clay on her mouth, her forehead, her temples. Pebbles washed clean by the sea, brought from the beach, were placed on each eye. They waited for her to be grounded. They lifted her up. She was passed a drink of water gathered from the underground spring. As she swallowed, she could taste the chemical compounds and trace elements travelling through her stomach. She listened to her nervous system's electronic symphonies, the opera of her breathing. She opened her heavy eyelids slowly. She felt such relief to still be alive. She smiled upon each face looking down at her, then the faces turned back into a bobbing array of multicoloured lights. She regained a sudden moment of clarity. Can you hear that? she said. Is that a bell ringing? A church bell? Her friend laughed. Yes, of course it is. I mean, it's not just in my head, it's the real church bell ringing. Yes, and it's time we were going. To church, she said, and hadn't noticed that they were already walking up the main street towards the church and she hadn't noticed that her friend was speaking to her without opening her lips. They walked arm in arm together. Give yourself a moment, Elle, her friend said. Decompression can make you feel a little woozy, disembodied, but you'll be okay. The church is our comm centre. We've got a link-up scheduled, don't you remember? No, I don't know what you're talking about, Miss Carter said. Her friend looked bewildered. You set all this up, the Heaven Project. We're scheduled for a link with the Low Orbit Research Station. This is what you've been waiting for. This is what you've been working for for the last year. Miss Carter frowned and shrank back slightly. I'll just nip back to the mine and see if I can find Billy, she said, pulling away from her friend's arm. Are you sure, her friend said, and watched her march off up the hill towards the mine. Be quick! she shouted, but Miss Carter was already too far away. Her friend turned and carried on walking towards the church. Will she be okay? she said. Sam said, yes, don't worry, we'll take care of her. Elle hurried past the row of miners' cottages and slipped at the same place she dropped her phone. She twisted her ankle. We moved into the swelling joint. The heel of her shoe broke off. She cursed. She took off her shoes and walked barefoot. Her bare skin touched the cobbled street. With each step, she sank into the support the ground was giving her. The chimneys were quiet, no smoke billowing out. The doors opened automatically. The entrance hall was dimly lit with warm orange light that was an accurate rendering of the street lighting from the old days. She walked slowly over to the reception desk and looked around. Hello, Miss Carter. The voice startled her. 
She span round as a man stepped out of the shadows. He was dressed like the tour guide she'd seen earlier, but it wasn't him. It was somebody dressed like him. The man walked towards her. He had a thin, drawn face and piercing eyes. I expect you're wondering what on earth is going on, he said and smiled at her. I expect you're wondering how the heel of your shoe miraculously fixed itself. Elle looked at the shoe she was carrying. The heel that was broken was now fixed and there was no trace of it ever being broken. She looked back at the man with her mouth open. Your heart is racing faster than normal, he said, still walking towards her. You're finding it hard to concentrate. You're getting a feeling not unlike déjà vu. You're desperately trying to come up with a plan to rationalise and make sense of things. You're trying not to panic. Who are you? she said and took a step back. What's going on? <coughs> he coughed. <coughs> Sorry, he said and stopped walking. They cleaned my lungs out, all that coal dust. He clutched his chest. But I've still got the cough. I recognise you, of course, Elle, as you're known now. But when I knew you, you were Miss Carter. L looked closely at his features, his nose, lips and chin. Then she saw something she recognised. Billy? She whispered. Spot on, he said, and grinned. Impressive. And that's without the open source connection. He waved one hand around in the air. I turned it down for you. Put it on mute, you might say, while you're in here. It can be a bit overwhelming, especially after decompression. It can feel a bit raw. He held out his hand and looked at the dim lights that were circling round his palm. They spiralled up into the shape of a human body. She looked at the body made up of spinning lights and realised it was a representation of her body. She could feel the lights spinning inside her. Billy smiled, a warm and kind smile. You've been feeling nauseous, like the ground is spinning. Embedded connectivity, everything connected to everything else. All is revealed now, Miss Carter. You can access everything about anything and everyone. Elle shook her head. What are you talking about? Like I say, it can be a bit overwhelming, this community. It can take a bit of adjustment, you might say. Let's go and have a sit down and a bit of a chat. I've got some tea from the old days in my office. He took her gently by the arm, but she flinched and pulled away. Don't worry, he said. Nothing to be afraid of. You're amongst friends. He pulled her in closer. It's just how we do things in heaven. They began walking. As they walked, he talked to her softly. We felt into where their arms touched and held each other. Billy was supporting and steadying her. And we were close and moving closer. It's called the Jaya, he said. It can be disorientating. Your team, the Heaven Project, have really cleaned this place up, but there's still a huge time shift. Distorted memories, distorted lives, all fractured and kaleidoscoped together. It's a case of unpicking it all, unravelling the tangled threads. Don't worry, you'll get used to it. In fact, I can't remember it not being like this. Do you mind if I still call you Miss Carter? Tap, tap, tap. He tapped her hand lightly and pulled her arm in closer. We're all Maras now, he said. He took her to his office and proudly showed her the photos he had on the wall of how they'd reconstructed a mining village, a schoolhouse, a church. He put the kettle on and made some tea. 
You like the outfit, he said, running his hands over his jacket. Seemed fitting I should dress up as the pit gaffer. As they sat and drank tea, Billy looked at Miss Carter and wondered if he'd see the stars again. You and your team are doing amazing work, he said. Here in heaven, things get done quickly and easily, not like in the old days. But the work you've been doing, truly astonishing. You've accelerated the process and it's taken its toll on you. But we'll work through it together, like you help me adjust. I've spent all this time appeasing the rock, the land itself, the mine. Wasn't mine, wasn't ours to just take from. We had to heal things, make things right, and you've helped. You are helping. And the mine is finally talking to us, all down to you and me. So it's good to have you back. There's still a lot to do. As she drank her tea, Miss Carter noticed another cup, placed a little distance away on the table. It had lipstick stains on its lip. She stared at Billy. Have we had this conversation before? He recoiled. She looked round his office. Have I sat here, drinking tea with you, and had this conversation before? He took a sharp intake of breath and held it for a second, then nodded. Yes, El, you have. It's something to do with your high level of exposure, but all being well, this will be the last time. Trust me, you seem to be adjusting. He paused and nodded, keeping his eye fixed on her to see if she agreed. She began to see scenes from the school trip, the Victorian classroom, the dinner hall, as bleary, distant memories. Memories that could easily be forgotten. Memories that could be languishing at the bottom of the ocean. Am I dreaming? she said softly. No, Miss Carter, you're probably more awake than you've ever been. You're in heaven. Her breathing began to quicken. Her heart rate speeded up. Am I dead? she said. Billy laughed. Not in the slightest. He leant forward and tapped her knee. Tap, tap, tap. You're home now, Elle. That's how they do things here, shorten everyone's name. It makes you part of the gang, I suppose. I'm known as B, out there. He nodded his head towards the door. B for Billy. He shrugged. They should have gone for W for William, really, that's my name. But W, it's not really a letter, is it? It's like two U's stuck together, a W, not a letter by itself. Sorry, I'm waffling. He held her gaze. You seem to be with us now, L. Can you hear that? Can you hear the gyre? They said we had to start with me. They said we had to begin with B, because I'm the one who remembers. And now there's you. Not a W, he laughed. Now there's you. L. Ellie Carter. Miss Carter. You remember what it's like. What it was like in the old days. Before we began building heaven. Before we all became Maras. Before the Jaya. We said to Sam, What will happen to the mine? Sam said, The ground itself is angry, out for vengeance. The rock itself is ready for a fight. We said, What will they do? Sam said, They'll work on it together. We said, 
can we move in closer? Can we be with them? Some said, when it's time. We are the Jaya. We fly freely in the ocean just as birds fly freely in the sky. The world of water is all we've known. The world of water has shaped us, made us who we are. Our parents chose the ocean. The others were left with only dry land. And now the land itself has spoken. The land itself has said enough. And we now know nothing of the ways of rock and clay and granite. We have to rely on those who remember. So let us begin with B.